It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. South African higher education institutions should be providing free education. And this is what we're grappling with. Is that possible? Is it a feasible proposition? And if so, how? And if not, why not? And, and so this morning we're going to talk about um, the money side of it. Where is this money supposed to come from if indeed we say that we need free higher education and that it is, of course, possible in South Africa at this point in time? Where should the money come from? And I'd love to hear your views. 0891-104-208. You can also SMS us on 34701 uh, and you can send us a tweet or Facebook message at AM Live on SAFM. Please use the hashtag AM Live. And I want to start uh, this segment off by just reading some of the messages because our listeners have been weighing in on these particular matters as well. So uh, this one from uh, Neliswa Simuko Tentane says, Commission on Feasibility on Free Education, SK, was there a commission looking at the feasibility of the nuclear project? So, you know, saying that we should weigh up what we do in this country. Lemias Mashile says, uh, funding by taxes is the only way forward for government. A graduate tax, uh, since NASFAS and corporate tax ring are fenced. And then this one says, free education for all, for how long? Solutions that people are bringing up should be sustainable ones, not short-term strategies uh, for them by one superman and uh, workers etc and um, we need to look at this more carefully I suppose and then uh, this one from Pule says one placard said it all for me my education is just as good as Nkandla so that stood out for Pule and Carl says why does the government not allow and uh, not follow Mr. Gordon's recommendations for the financing of universities uh, in order to achieve free education and then just a few others uh, Jacques Cupido says at the moment a small group want to hold South Africa hostage through violence and intimidation in this hashtag free education and Andrew Moe says uh, do we have enough taxpayers to help pay the university professors and lecturers should the fees be entirely free. And uh, Strength and Unity says, when social matters are politicized, this is when confusion between radical revolutionary action and destructive behavior arises. So just some of the comments that have come in already. And, and, and I think this is what we should also factor in as we try and answer this question about where the money should come from. And uh, for um, our guest this morning, Professor Ahmad Bawa, CEO of University South Africa in our Joburg studios, and Enver Motala, a researcher at the Nelson Mandela Institute for Education and Rural Development at the University of Forte. To you two, both Thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Thank you. And uh, Edva, hello. Uh, hello, Ahmed. Um, <laughs> hello, Sakina. Greetings to all the listeners. So let's just jump straight in. Is there enough money in this developing country for higher, free higher education? Professor Bauer, let me start with you. Yeah. Um, Sakina, you know, my view on this is very simple. I mean, my view on this is that uh, it's a choice that the nation has to make, uh, that education is so important to our society as a, as, as, as a mechanism to create equality, to create better quality of life and so on, that uh, as a society we think that uh, everybody should have access to education, 
starting with basic education, of course, we should try and be absolutely sure that basic education is free. Uh, and then, you know, taking it up through the TVT sector and the universities and so on. So my simple take on it is that this isn't something that's going to be, you know, s- solved by uh, looking for pots of money here and there. It's a decision that the society has to make. You know, so in other words, the money can be found. The money can be found. And, it. Yeah, and it means that we have to make choices. You know, it means that we have to make tough choices. Uh, p- perhaps it means that, you know, uh, we don't need the nuclear, the nuclear builds. Uh, perhaps it means that uh, we have to cut back on our spending on, um, you know, on uh, kind of uh, the, the infrastructure program or whatever the case is, you know. Uh, so I, I think that uh, from my point of view, at least, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's proven all over the world, in fact, that, uh, that education is a powerful driver of building inequal, uh, unequal, uh, building more equal societies. And uh, it's something that we have to think about seriously. Uh, from, can I just go on for a mm-hmm. moment? Uh, from the university's point of view, uh, you know, we, we are caught in a very tough situation because if you remove the fees today for 2017, that's something like a 30 billion rand gap in funding for the universities, uh, which basically will mean that uh, universities will simply fold uh, all of our universities, even the richest ones. So, so when it comes to determining the actual cost of free education, how do we go about determining that? Well, the, the, we can we can give you that number almost uh, immediately. In fact, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, that there's a subsidy sec- there's a subsidy part which comes in from the state, uh, which uh, amounts to something like I can't remember the exact figure, but something like twenty five or twenty six <laughs> billion rand. Uh, and then there's the fee component, and the fee component is something like uh, 30 billion rand. And then, uh, and then there's uh, what we call third stream income and other, uh, other forms of income that come into the university system. And that makes up about 10%. So that's the total cost. Now, I, I just have to warn that, in fact, uh, all the studies that we've done and, uh, indicate that, that the higher education system is, in fact, underfunded. So, but let's just assume that that's what we need, you know. Uh, and that's that's the amount. Mm. That's, that's so the so what is the figure? What, what so are we talking about? It works about? out to something like uh, 60 to 70 billion rand. I would okay. Say. Adam Habib was saying 50. So, okay, let's it's, say it's it, than, let's yeah, put it at 70. Yeah. Um, uh, let's take the worst case scenario. Yeah. And and having said that, though, um, Enver Motala, do we, is this something that we should even be discussing as a possibility or is this something that we simply need to do as a country, talking about those tough decisions that need to be made? No, thank you very much, Akina. As uh, I want to say that, you know, a group of uh, us, uh, academics and students, have been writing about this issue uh, for the last six months. Uh, in fact, we've made a submission to the Fees Commission, and it's exactly along the lines that uh, uh, Ahmed uh, is arguing. I can't agree with him more, uh, and in fact, we've uh, stated uh, exactly the position that uh, the struggles around the fees issue symbolize a much larger question, and that question is about what exactly is the nature of the society we aspire to, what values, what principles, how exactly uh, do we create a society which is much more humane, more encompassing, more caring, uh, and in fact, uh, uh, some of our uh, writing 
uh, is suggesting that one of the fundamentals we have to answer has to do with our conception of the public good and the relationship between education and knowledge systems to the public good in the context of the most egregious uh, social and uh, economic inequality uh, in, in history. And this is not a phenomenon which is uh, local, it is a global phenomenon, uh, and that's really the underlying cause of the present uh, social disquiet, the disruption, the, what the media focuses on, uh, the conflict, and so on and so forth. Uh, and unless we begin to understand these underlying fundamental issues and uh, agree that uh, actually what we need is a completely different social system, new set of social relations, uh, we'll continue to flounder in looking for solutions. And the role of education, not by itself, but uh, as a humanizing factor, is absolutely uh, central to, to all of this. That's the discussion we need to be having. That's what the universities need to be promoting, that kind of discussion. Uh, as uh, Professor Bawa Ahmed knows, we've asked for universities to convene public assemblies on these issues, uh, and, uh, and I think that that's what uh, the kind of leadership that is required in all of these matters. So one of the issues uh, that is currently being grappled with is whether this free education then should be for all or only for the poor. What's your take on that, Mr. Motala? Well, we've written, uh, this is a very important question, and I, and there's a very extensive uh, article we've written, which is, uh, uh, unfortunately, it's only going to be published in, the, uh, in an academic publication, and we'll have to bring it out much sooner, in which we set out clearly the different uh, approaches to the question of free education for for the rich and uh, for the poor and middle classes, uh, and uh, the perspective which argues the case for universal, what we call universal free education, uh, which encompasses the full cost of study. Now, uh, uh, well, unless I, I have the time to set out what the difficulties for us uh, are with the argument, with the narrower argument, for a limited uh, and almost affirmative uh, approach, a limited affirmation approach to, uh, free, free, to, higher, to free education, and unless I have time to do that and say why I think that that argument is essentially a liberal democratic argument, uh, we concede that, but it is not enough in the context of the kind of egregious inequality we have in this country, and it's not a way to... Uh, uh, to produce students who are uh, who uh, who can imagine a new national uh, consensus, uh, regardless of what their social status is, uh, and actually uh, we are critical of the of the approach, which in fact, uh, while on the one hand uh, suggests that uh, the rich and middle classes are the problem, uh, want to institutionalize the process which creates middle classes. Well, either you deal with this question structurally and fundamentally, or, or you, 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 you do the kinds of things that those who are arguing for this limited uh, affirmation uh, uh, want to do.
So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue um, this discussion, talking about where the money is going to come from, but also looking at uh, some of the other nuances uh, that come into play here when we are discussing this particular matter. And uh, just at a quick glance, it seems as though uh, there is consensus that the money can be found. But 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 let's look at how do we make this a reality. And uh, some interesting points being raised now uh, by Mr. Enver Motala about uh, you know what needs to be done where. And of course, we'll talk about those caps uh, for the missing middle and what the implications of that may be. So we'll do all of that after this break. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. So this morning on the Forum at Ada, we are talking about uh, free higher education is possible in South Africa. At least most people seem to think so. So where should the money come from? Uh, that's what we are discussing. And uh, we're speaking this morning to Enver Motala, researcher at the Nelson Mandela Institute for Education and Rural Development at the University of Fort Hare, as well as Professor Ahmed Bawa, who's the CEO of University South Africa. So just before the break there, Enver Motala, you were talking about this new consensus around higher education. Uh, maybe if you just elaborate on that slightly more before I get Professor Bauer's response. Well, what I'm saying, what we are saying, is that uh, unless we agree that the process of social change is directed uh, at a more fundamental reconstitution of social class gendered inequality, unless we actually aim for that. All we will do by the selective affirmation processes which are being uh, promoted by some of the uh, uh, arguments around this, all we will do is we will reproduce new forms of social inequality. So that's where the fundamental distinction lies between our approach and I think it's the approach of the vast majority of those who made submissions to the uh, Peace Commission. That's the starting point. The second point that we're making is that, and as Professor Bauer, as Ahmed himself has said, uh, and it looks like even the Minister of Finance has said, that the idea of free education, and I don't want to go into the debate whether it's for all or but the idea of free education is eminently achievable. And that's what I think we should start doing work around. That's what I think the higher education South Africa, that's what I think individual universities, that's what I think students and academics uh, must set out to put on the table. In other words, we must develop a roadmap we must, uh, with, which has clear milestones uh, and uh, clear time frames in which we set out both the processes, inclusive processes, because it's absolutely essential that we do this together with the constituencies that are critical to university life, and the actual modalities for getting there. In other words, we start examining uh, 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 qualitatively the kind of quantitative data which is available. We clear the assumptions uh, which underlie uh, different approaches to this question, uh, which must be uh, agreed at the beginning of the process. Uh, it can't be about simple arithmetical calculations like the ones we've seen 
uh, until now, uh, put forward both uh, uh, to the Commission and because we've all agreed that there is no doubt about, there's no disagreement about the chronic underfunding of higher education. So what we're arguing for is a roadmap, is a detailed study uh, of the quantitative data informed by a set of qualitative questions. Uh, and we think uh, that it is uh, eminently achievable. Now, I want to point to, for instance, an article written by Professor uh, Patrick Bond, well-known social commentator, analyst, in which he sets out about eight or nine areas uh, from uh, which are relevant to the search for funding. Mm, I saw that. Uh, we yeah. ourselves in the 1970s put all of these areas down. We've referred to two in particular, and I can speak about that, those two, which I think are absolutely fundamental, and I don't think there's much disagreement around them, except, of course, by those who want to continue to uh, uh, support extreme inequality in our society. And then, of course, uh, how do we go about funding that? And, and I take on board everything you have said, uh, Mr. Motana, but in terms of that roadmap, in terms of the modalities, where would we be looking for the money? Well, there, as I said, uh, we ourselves have raised two areas in which we think uh, uh, there, there must be resources. First, of course, is simply the extraordinary level of capital flights from this country. As you saw, the Reserve Bank data for the first three months of this year suggested that we lost 174 billion rands uh, in just in the first three months of uh, paying out dividends and uh, uh, basically capital losses. You know, uh, all the major uh, multinationals which are situated in this country, have decided to relocate to another country. Uh, and, 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 and this hasn't prevented them, of course, from continuing to uh, 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 reap extraordinary levels of, uh, uh, of income, of, uh, of profits from this country. So that's one big area. And by the way, uh, a global uh, agency has also suggested that we lose in this country 303 billion rand per annum. Uh, we've lost over the period 2004 and 2013. Uh, just those two figures alone can tell you the scale of capital flight out of this country, despite the ostensible commitments of many of these uh, 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 companies to building South Africa. Well, that's a peculiar way of building South Africa. The second area is we we think about corporate taxation because, you know, under apartheid, corporate taxation was considerably higher. It was in the 40% uh, bracket, 40 to 50%. Now we've reduced it 28 to 20, yes, I think 28%. And by the way, this is part of a global trend. It's a global trend which is based on a particular ideology uh, about which uh, mountains have been written about the impact of global neoliberalism and its impact on creating uh, inequality. As you, as you know, you must know, uh, there have been a lot of writing about this, not just Piketty's work, but there's work by Stiglitz himself, the former Reserve Bank, uh, the World Bank uh, uh, chief economist, uh, by uh, uh, Atkinson, by a, whole lot of, a host of people, Dimuzio, talking about how the extraordinary imprint of global neoliberalism has now captured uh, states 
throughout the world and is busy reproducing the kind of uh, uh, unseemly inequality uh, within nations, across nations, uh, uh, between the North and the South, uh, and so that's not the kind of society we want. So we have to start thinking about these. Now, uh, uh, Bond talked about public infrastructure. And, of course, uh, you mentioned the uh, very pertinent example of whether or not we require a, uh, a nuclear infrastructure, a nuclear uh, plant, uh, which probably cost about a trillion bands. Uh, I don't know, the, but that's the kind of area we have to, we have to look at. Uh, is it a national good? There are a whole range of other kinds of public choices which can be made quite differently. The underlying principle has to be we must subject public choice to public scrutiny, much more accountability to public debate. And that's what exactly is, is missing. And that, in fact, is the answer to some of these complex uh, social questions which uh, speak to what kind of society we want to have. Well, we'll continue this conversation and also open the lines after the news break. 891 is the number to dial. Right now, it's time for the latest news headlines with Kumbuzile Tabete. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Forum at 8. And this morning, uh, we're speaking to Professor Ahmed Bawa, CEO of University South Africa, and Enver Motala, researcher at the Nelson Mandela Institute for Education and Rural Development at the University of Forte. And the question we're grappling with this morning is that higher education, if it is possible, where would the money come from? And some very interesting insights coming through. Uh, Professor Bawa, I'll get your response before I go to the lines. Just a just to pick up a few points, you know, the one is, uh, I think it's a very dangerous thing to think of universities in isolation, that you have to think about the whole education system, you know. Uh, it's, you know, it would be a very dangerous thing for us to have free high education and not have free basic education. Uh, and then the TVT sector is a very critical sector in, in, in the South African context. So, so I think that we have to think about the whole sector, the whole of education rather than the bits and, you know, bits and pieces of it. Uh, the second point I'd like to make is that, um, you know, there's a lot of studies that indicate that unless you do something quite dramatic, like deal with the tax system or that you have a fee system or something like that, that in unequal societies, if you have large subsidies, those large subsidies usually usually go to the benefit of the rich. So that's something that for us to think about, that you can't just simply say, let's have free education. The big question will be, how do you then... Uh, kind of ensure that the imagination that you produce for higher education is actually driving more equality, uh, not less equality. So the idea of the looking at corporate taxes again and so on, those are critical, critical issues. We, you, we can't just do this out of the existing fiscus, if you like. Yeah? Okay, the second, uh, the third point I'd like to make, which I think is, uh, which Enver has picked on so uh, eloquently, is that I think we really do need a new imagination for higher education. And it's not just the funding, by the way. It's also about the knowledge project of the higher education system. Enver um, and I have had endless conversations about this. It's also about saying, you know, just uh, how, does, how, does the, uh, how does the higher education system articulate with the economy and so on. All those very big issues. Uh, and, and I think the critical thing for us is really to move towards 
some kind, uh, ever call it a consensus, but I want to be slightly stronger and say that we need to move to something like a social compact, which says, you know, the society as a whole sees education as playing the following roles. And for the next 10 to 15 years, this is what we're going to work on. This is how we're going to measure what we're working on and so on. And I think, the, you know, for example, the, I, I'm aware that the vice chancellors, for example, are all keen on this and really want to move in that direction. Finally, just one very serious point, and that is that I think we have to have a sense of just how underfunded our education system is. If we compare ourselves with all of the BRICS countries, for instance, as a percentage of GDP, the funding of South Africa's education system is way below the other BRICS nations. Just to give you other staggering detail, even if you take Ghana, Senegal, a range of other African countries, that percentage of GDP is actually lower than ours. And in fact, it's sliding downwards, you know. So, um, so I think that we have to understand that if we think of education as a powerful engine for building more equal societies, for building a stronger economy and all of that, then we have to identify it as an area of investment rather than kind of an area of expenditure. You know. Well, and we're going to take your calls now on this matter. Let me just uh, throw in uh, some messages from others who have contributed on the other platforms. Nine Point Plan says money to loot is always available, but for education, we are told where will it come from? Uh, Clever Black says uh, no tough choices necessary. If we can afford uh, the luxurious life for politicians, we can afford free education. Simple. Uh, Kabela Waga says the same nonsense was said about HIV AIDS drugs and uh, we won't be able to give it to everybody it's too costly and where are we now Daddy Matolo says um, money must come from where uh, the uh, the money for the jet or the nuclear power plants is coming that's where the money must come from at common man says uh, stash these many diplomatic missions uh, that are used as rewards for corrupt comrades um, that we must get rid of some of those jazz fundi as long as on a daily basis the students watch uh, on the media platforms how tax is wasted, then we can see how free education is indeed possible. And ProMaster says free education should be implemented through distance learning institutions like UNISA. There's no need for residence and food fees. And um, Noncognito says free quality tertiary education equals higher and more stringent entry levels and less students. So just some of the solutions proposed by some of the listeners this morning. But let's hear more from our listeners. 891 Harry, you're in Kempton Park. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Harry. Hello. Listen, um, what I want to know is who is behind these protests? Minister Samandi said that up to 50,000 per month are subsidized. The rich. Are some uh, rich behind the criminal elements? Because they're the only ones who are going to score up to 50,000. They are subsidized. The super-rich should pay. 50000 I think, is already too high. I think the Hawks should investigate this matter. The subsidy... Um, um, ...thought... Uh, ...should be on a, a, a sliding scale, you know? It shouldn't be a cut-off like that. Because, let me give an instance, 
if one is, earns 50,000 rand per month, he goes to his employer and said, uh, reduce my salary with 10 rand or 1 rand a month, then all of a sudden he qualifies for the subsidy. Okay. Yeah, and even over 12 months or something like that, it can be manipulated. Thank you so much, Harry. We got your ideas there. Uh, let's hear from Buzz in Durban. Good morning. Hi, Sakina. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Um, I just want to keep this brief because I'm sure a lot of people want to call in. But my, my, um, my, my, my statement is that for some reason, and, and the sentiments were, were said through the SMSs, we are now discussing talking about qualitative and how to do different researches and how to get the money for education. But when we decided to spend money on Nkandla, we didn't have debates. We didn't have long-term how are we going to do it. We didn't have debates on all these other issues that the government spends all this money on. So, And it's a question I want to pose to um, to the prof that, that's speaking. Thank you for the message you said. Is How can we start, you are speaking about qualitative measures and essentially measures that are going to take long time, like a long time to come in. What are your short-term as opposed to long-term approaches? Because what you are doing is you are taking an approach which is a, an academic approach, which is an important approach to see. But we need to see a practical approach. That's a short-term approach. And people are frustrated because we are sitting and we're having these debates and we're having these conversations talking about education as if we're talking about um, something that is, you know, you know that, that is not life and, and essential. So if we, if, and so I'll revert, I'll for, um, so my question to process what would your short-term measures be if you could um, start discussing those as a practical terms instead of practically implementing and in my final statement I just want to say as students um, a lot of our issues and all of these things there's a lot of things that are going unheard I'm a, I'm a medical student GCT. there's a lot of issues where it's made up of fees and and that is part of the thing financial but the core way it's run um, is that for example you have this Flagstaff, where if you have taken a, a year of leave off, regardless if at the end when you return, if you pass all your exams, the university has a right to make you repeat. This has never been told to us, never been put in any statements and stuff. So this is just one out of a lot of different issues that are coming up. And this is it's a separate point, but I just want to highlight that we should, can we just speak about things directly and instead of running around the bush and giving educational and academic answers to issues that are so poignant to people where it's and can you dumb it down to the normal south african person as well because so that we can understand it as well because taking an academic approach is you know we've tried it's just a waste of time and stuff but thank okay. you so much for this conversation thanks sk thank you so much biz uh, interesting there and uh, santa in durban good morning to you good morning Satin and the guest uh you know if we have a government and a department that is committed to free education, we are going to find money. The People's Revolutionary Movement, the movement that I lead, has mm-hmm. proposals and models that want to discuss with the government. I'm not sure when is the department going to call an MBSO on free education in South Africa because we've got a serious and clear proposal uh, that one, the syntax must be in- increased, two, all the ministers, deputy ministers, should be done away with. Three, uh, no councillors should earn more than 15,000 if they are committed to community work. 
for and uh, the uh, members of parliament and government should not uh, should not earn more than fifty thousand, and the, all the money would would be available. Presidents, dep- the deputy president, after they have left office, should not be continued to be paid uh, by our taxpayers' money. Uh, that money uh, could be used. Uh, for for free education and there's a lot and lot. I, I would go on and go on with our proposals, <laughs> yeah. but we expect that the the the, 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 the Department of Education, uh, Higher Education Minister Payne Monday, should in fact uh, have the enthusiasm and commitment like that to motioning. Definitely, we are going to have uh, uh, your free education. Thank you so much. And Sandline Durban, Rex in Germiston, what's your view? Uh, good morning, Sakina. Morning to your listeners and guests. Um, uh, one of the things you, you, you didn't do very well is that you did not invite the students on this panel, on this your morning panel, to tell us where actually, practically, the money they are expecting to fund free education can actually come from. What I want to highlight is that I haven't seen where anywhere in the world, apart from in Cuba, because you can't take Cuba, as a, for example, because it's completely socialist. Uh, free educa- um, uh, education is at the tertiary level. The fundamental thing I want to say is that uh, basic education is a necessity. Higher education is not a necessity, it's a luxury. I don't see why taxes have to be increased for some people to enjoy luxury. So if you cannot afford it, you leave it. If you can afford it, please do enjoy it. It is not practicable in this country. Not for, at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Rex. Uh, Sabelo and Stellenbosch, good morning to you. Good morning and thank you for taking my call. Just uh, one thing first I'd like to say clear. The people must not confuse the money for the nuclear to money that can be directed into this one. Number one, the country needs energy because we don't have enough energy to support economic growth in this country and companies are unable to invest in South Africa because we just don't have enough energy to sustain even development of houses. There are areas where people can't build, there's land to build low-cost housing but they can't do it because there's no infrastructure in electricity or in water and sanitation. So those are two different things and also the nuclear is going to be funded through a loan so the country does not even have money for that nuclear. But back to the point on what what are the means that we can fund to find to fund the free education in this country which i believe is possible if you look at your statistics figure the country is collecting just over a trillion range annually in tax revenue and all that uh, experts are saying is going to cost us is between 50 and 70 billion range per annum to fund a fully free higher education now i'm saying let's use the money i, I don't have the figures because the SARS did not split the report that i read on the, how much they collect in the revenue i don't know what the split is in uif and all of those but i'm saying maybe we can introduce some form of levy to people who are earning, let's say, a figure of 300,000 rand and more, and even to corporates, a 1% levy that is going to fund higher education. And 70 billion rand is not a lot, I believe, that we, we can find that revenue. And also, in addition to that, I think as part of the long-term solution, whilst the commission is still investigating this one, we need to say a higher education needs to come out together with these universities and say, for poor and the missing middle, we are going to reduce education by maybe five percent annually whilst it continue, it stays we need to freeze the fees maybe 2016 fees or 2017 which say there's not going to be any more increase however for the point the missing middle we are going to reduce by five percent every year until we find a fully viable model that we can find this free education by going to parliament and passing in a law that is going to say we are going to introduce a new tax 
of 1% to every person who is going to be who's earning 300,000 rand and more and also to corporates. And Asakin uh, Adi more than willing to pay that fee, you know, knowing that when my child, even though my child is young, when my child goes to university one day, I know that I will not be paying any fees because if I don't pay that 1% today and my child goes to university, it's possibly going to be half a million per annum that time, you know. And me paying in 1% now that I'm employed, I think it's, a, it's going to be a very sustainable model that also I don't, I don't mm. see anyone who is reasonable about providing education will disagree to that one as well. And and ultimately, we must accept that ultimately, young people will want to get this free education. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much, uh, Sabelo. Okay, we're going to take a spot break. We'll come back. We'll take some responses and read a few more messages. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And uh, before I get a response from the panel, Motala in Durban, you've been holding on. Thanks for your patience. Good morning. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, I want to wish my brother well mm-hmm. also. Uh, with regard how to get the money, a poorer country like Zambia, at the time of independence, got the money for free education and even free boarding and lodging and building of education institution because it had only four secondary school, no nothing else, no university, nothing. What did President Kaunda do? He took fifty five percent of the shares in its mineral, copper, the most important mineral. It didn't have minerals like we got gold, diamond and much more. It took and used that money and within fourteen years while I was there built hundreds of schools, gave free education right from the beginning and in the rural areas, free boarding, lodging, food, everything. And it changed the whole situation just by using the money of the natural resources, the natural wealth of the country. Our natural resources, the world, is benefiting only outsiders and not us. Our land is... held by a few white people and the people are suffering because they don't have the land. As long as the government does not do something about that, we will continue to not have money and blame everybody else and do all kind of things. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Motala. And let me throw in a few more messages. Sloni says, let the 72-member South African cabinet fund at least 10 poor students from each province. And uh, Dineo Majobe says, uh, stop commodifying education. Banks, malls, the rich, corporates, uh, NGOs and government must pay for it because they benefit for it, uh, from it ultimately. Um, uh, this one from uh, Tabo Daniel says Gaddafi gave his people free education, free electricity, free water, etc. Uh, with money generated from oil, why can't we do the same with our minerals? I guess following on uh, to what Mutala was saying there. Well, let's get some responses. Um, Enver, let me start with you. Thank you very much, Akina. Isn't it extraordinary? Not a single person uh, <laughs> phoned in or wrote in to say that it's not achievable. Um, uh, what, what, uh, it's impossible to answer and deal with every single uh, commentator and uh, caller, but I want to say a few general things. The first is simply that unless we actually uh, do find a way of having a proper public discussion on what social choices 
must inform uh, the search for a democratic society. We really won't go very much further on any of these issues, whether it's free. If I could just interject there, uh, and and taking what Biz was saying. So, So Biz is saying, as a student and looking at what's happening across the country, they are tired of all these intellectual discussions, of all uh, the research that is being done. They want short-term practical solutions as to what needs to happen in the immediate term. Yeah. I was going to come to the the Liz's uh, issue. And I'm afraid there's no simple answers, no simple magic solutions to these very difficult social because, questions because there are strong and powerful interests in society which prevent uh, easy solutions. Uh, and in fact, I would like to urge Liz, or Liz, sorry if I got the name wrong, Biz. and students like her and academics to actually actively participate in the process of shaping the responses, uh, the more democratic and public responses. There's no simple uh, answer. Our students all over are trying to do exactly that, and students who are not participating in that really need to answer why it is that they can't uh, participate in these, in these issues. And the deeper solutions are beginning to come through because the discourse around these issues has shifted. Uh, at the moment, it's very clear that uh, uh, nearly everybody thinks that it's entirely feasible to have free education. So there are no simple solutions which I can uh, uh, put to. I think the immediate thing has to be uh, that university leaders, students, and academics who have been hiding, I don't know where they have been in all of this discussion, uh, except for a very small minority who uh, uh, have to be acknowledged, uh, must try to bring some kind of consensus at an institutional level. And that consensus must be carried forward at a national level amongst institutions. And that uh, can then build the momentum for putting forward to government a a set of solid proposals. That's what I think must be done in the short term. There are no other short-term answers, exactly like changing the curriculum. It's not a short-term issue. The process of knowledge production is never a short-term issue. It's a long-term, it's a historical issue, and we have to struggle with it. Uh, so I urge students not to think that, you know, you can do these things uh, uh, in, in, uh, overnight. The other issue I want to say is quite simply that, yes, there are resources, and people have been pointing to uh, resources to issues of corruption and so on and so forth. We don't even talk about that, and of course it's a big issue. Uh, but uh, if we are determined and if we... Uh, exercise our mind on what's the right social choices. You know, people often talk of political will. Well, I disagree. It's about political choice, not will, because there is the political will to invest in all kinds of projects which have no national value. Uh, Where's the absence of political will in that case? and there are a number of studies across the globe which show you that, actually. Governments are not uh, persuaded uh, by political will uh, because they make political choices. Mm. And they are, these choices are dependent on whose interests are more strongly represented and who has actually sunk their teeth deep into the structures 
of uh, of social accumulation uh, right. uh, in the world and how you can dislodge that. And let me just give Professor Bauer an opportunity to weigh in there as well on uh, some of those issues. Sure. Thank you so much. And yeah, just to say that, you know, that in fact, there are societies, uh, Rex, just in response to Rex, there are societies where education is free. All, all you have to do is look at the Scandinavian countries, for instance, you know, social welfare societies and and many others, in fact, where education is free. Uh, the big question is, you know, just, you know, do we have the... Do we have a, a sense of what we want to achieve with education? And you know, is the public good so important that we make it free for everybody? Um, or are we more interested in um, maintaining the status quo? The status quo and the inequality and mm-hmm. so on, yes. And the second, I'd like to respond to Biz. And, and my response to Biz is, I want to agree with Enver. You know, there just isn't a short-term, quick-fix solution here. I mean, I, I think that you know we have to work to try to ensure that we get to the point where we can have everybody accessing education at all levels and um, you know and my you know and i think that the fees must fall campaign has shaken us you know to, at the at our very core in fact i mean uh, you know up to now we've been coasting along we've been you know and all of a sudden you know this uh, we're now uh, galvanized to try and find solutions to what is clearly a really huge issue facing us and uh, i want to say that you know that you know, for me at least, the big challenge is how to, over the next year to two years, uh, progressively move towards a point where we have a solution uh, to, you know, one of our mm. most vexed problems. Well, Rex, people actually not agreeing with you that education, higher education is a luxury. I don't agree with that either. Um, then uh, someone is saying I'm taxed um, uh, to the hilt, not interested in that particular issue. Um, Fana Boy says um, if we can stop corruption in both public and private sector, we can afford free quality education for all. And KGM says how I wish this energy was directed to the total overall of the education system from quantity to quality. And then uh, just a final one from uh, Brenda. Um, uh, Brenda Daniel says uh, there needs to be all round accountability, business, bursaries, apprenticeships, government budget, prosper, uh, uh, proper student loans. If a country like Britain, which has the fifth largest economy in the world, cannot offer free education, how do we think that South Africa can? To which Don Fraser responds, uh, why are so many white South Africans worried about being followers of UK's political uh, system, which is broken? South Africa can offer free education. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for your participation. Thanks to our guests this morning, Enver Mutala and Professor Ahmed Bawa. And uh, right now it's time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.